hello, I am your host, Karen Doyle, and welcome to the Genius Podcast. The Genius Podcast is part of a much bigger initiative for Catholic women called the Genius Project. The heart of the Genius Project is dedicated to equipping and supporting women of all ages and stages of life to discover what it is that God has placed within their hearts to do, giving them the permission to follow that God whisper and dream, and then equipping them with the knowledge and practical skills to make it happen. If you are looking to discover what it is that you are called to do with your life, If you have a dream or a passion, but you lack the skills and confidence to take that next step, or you just need some great advice on living your vocation as a Catholic woman, then this podcast is for you. This week's genius guest is Danielle Moritz. Now, Danielle, I met a couple of years ago in Brisbane, Australia, when she was serving on the NET team and running the Ignite Conference. She introduced my talk at the Ignite Conference, and I just fell in love with her. She is a beautiful human. And I'm really excited to share her with you this morning. She's actually just back from Africa and she is in quarantine in New Zealand. So this is how we spent 35 minutes of her morning today. In this episode, Danielle and I talk around this idea of mission and how God has placed within each one of us a unique vision, mission and purpose. She is going to share her story and how she came to serve God in Africa. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this conversation with Danielle. Welcome, Danielle, to the Genius Podcast. It's really lovely to have you on board. I've been following your journey over the last few months on Instagram, and I've actually been really intrigued by it. It's it's quick. Yeah, it kept me interested. So welcome. Thank you so much. It's such a, yeah, it's honestly an honor and privilege to to be here, to be able to share and glad oh. that you've been able to follow along a little bit on social media. Yeah, it's been great. Positive I mean, that, uses. It, absolutely, the positive uses. And I'm going to get you to share a little bit about your adventures of the last few months, but you're stuck in quarantine at the moment, aren't you, in New Zealand? Living the managed isolation life. Um, but you know what's actually such a gift because- the last, you know, last nine months of my life have been a bit of a wild adventure, a bit of a journey with the Lord and just having time to process that and be alone with him and really have no expectations, you know, for the 14 days is um, yes. it's like quite freeing and less time to rest and yeah. kind of reset my mind of like, okay, Lord, where are we going now? Yeah. <laughs> um, so it's been yeah. a blessing. It has been. I'm also like... I can be quite introverted. I do enjoy being alone sometimes. Okay. So I haven't struggled too much. But I, honestly, if you were an extrovert, this could be hell. <laughs> this could be hard. And so how long yeah. have you got left in isolation? Um, only four days. Okay. So yeah. that's good. You're on the home stretch now. I'm in the home stretch. And I am starting to itch to see my family. So I bet. I bet. Yeah. <laughs> so you've been away for nine months. Is that right? Yeah, eight and a half, nine months, something like that. Golly goodness. Well, look, Danielle, tell us a little bit about yourself. I guess your life in a nutshell, how you got to be where you are now. Because you've you've moved around a little bit, haven't you? (laughs) I have moved around a little bit, yeah. (laughs) So I am 23 and I am from New Zealand. So I grew up in Mount Monganui, which is like a coastal town here. So I love the beach. Um, And... 
have I come from a family of four, so I have one older brother, yeah. and my parents and my brother is married with children, so um, blessed to be an auntie, which I love a lot. Yeah, <laughs> and um, yeah, grew up um, in a really supportive, really Catholic family. Grew up knowing the Lord, which was yeah the greatest treasure I could have been given as a child. And um, yeah, when I was eighteen, I well, my brother left to do net to serve with net okay. ministry. Um, when I was, yeah, just starting high school yeah, and he served with NET and that really inspired me and lots of uh, friends from youth group um, went to serve with NET Ministries. So that's kind of how I got to know a bit about mission in kind of a young person living mission context. Yeah, I just saw these awesome young people going to like serve the Lord for a year or two years of their life or um, however long the Lord inspired them to do so. Yes. And I decided to discern that and when I was yeah in my final year of school I applied to serve with NET for the following year okay and so I left home when I was 18 to go to Australia and serve with NET Ministries and yeah I just encountered the Lord in a much deeper way in a much more personal way I think and uh, really felt like oh yeah I've come home like this is what I was meant to do (laughs) and it was just the most incredible experience Mm -hmm. so I served with NET as a missionary for two years and I was in Melbourne uh serving on that in the Archdiocese I didn't realize that yeah yeah Yeah. it was really cool just like a big Archdiocesan team and got to travel all around um, Melbourne and other parts of Victoria and That was really cool. In the end of my second year, I co-led the Sydney Archdiocesan Net team. Okay. um, Which was, yeah, a really, really awesome challenge and a really beautiful experience as Mm -hmm. well. And throughout my time in that year, I was sort of trying to figure out, okay, Lord, what next? Felt like I was fighting him a bit because I felt in my heart this deepening desire to uh, journey with young women in a particular way to go deeper. And, you know, we were running retreats for high school students and stuff. But what I was really finding life in was these kind of bigger conversations with our young adult friends. Um, And so I found that really like supporting them was really a joy for me. So that's why I decided to apply to join NET staff. So I was really blessed to work for NET for two years as a supervisor and a few other roles. But Yes, that's what I was doing. Wow. And that was that's how you ended up in Brisbane. Yes. So yeah, after um after, after my year in Sydney, I moved to Brisbane. Yeah. Oh, and I think that's where I connected with you was in Brisbane. Yeah. yeah. Ignite conference. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. It was really blessed. I think I came to your workshop and was just like blessed by your words and um mm. Yeah, I was like, whoa, this sisterhood thing is really cool and what you're doing for women was, yeah, inspired me a lot. So. Oh, awesome. Yeah, well, yeah. it was just, it was lovely connecting with you. Whenever I see you, you just are one of these people who, I think people just want to be around. You're so full of joy. You've got a beautiful oh. smile <laughs> and you just, joy oozes out of you. So you're a great person to be oh. around. But I do know that, you know, you are such a valued member of the NET staff. Like I hear that from a lot of people and so you had sort of all up quite a few years in Australia and then you embarked yeah. on this crazy amazing adventure that you talked about yeah. so how did that actually come about 
Yeah, so last year was my second year in Brisbane and I think I was just sort of in this place in my life where I was feeling quite settled and quite comfortable, which was awesome because I had moved around a bit and I think I'd just sort of come into my own a bit more as an adult. Partway through the year, I started feeling this bit of restlessness of just, okay, God, like I feel like maybe I'm coasting along here with you and sort of got into this routine of just ticking the boxes in prayer or kind of like, yeah, it felt like I was sort of, I don't know, maybe maybe just not going there with the Lord or not, not allowing myself to be challenged as much as I really was desiring and I was seeking this way to grow in holiness more and, and some kind of, I don't know, just something a bit different, I guess. I have this tendency to get a bit restless. Okay. I, like, I don't know what it is, but I just am... Um, yeah, I don't know, maybe part gypsy or something, but I get really <laughs> sometimes. So I was like, okay, God, what is it? And um was praying for opportunity for mission. Mm-hmm. And I actually had three different kind of opportunities or three options I was discerning um, of like sort of short-term kind of mission experiences I could do during the year while working for NET. Yeah. And uh, anyway, the door opened wide for me to go to Papua New Guinea with the Kenoshan sisters. Um, they led a short-term mission for about, I don't know how many of us, I think there were like 10 of us young women who went for two weeks. I was super excited because my parents were missionaries in Papua New Guinea. That's how they met. Okay. Um, So I was, yeah, it was like really cool. Yeah, it's totally, totally. It was in my blood and I was like, oh, how cool would it be to to go and experience mission in this country where my parents met and who, you know, it's a big part of what formed them and also I think impacted me as a young woman. Uh, and as a, you know, as their child growing up. So yes, I went there and had a really incredible experience and encountered, you know, poverty like I hadn't really experienced before. Yeah. And yeah. this desire in me was just, it was like it was there, but it was like this just took the uh, top off the pressure cooker, I guess. And it was like released, you know, this huge passion and me and desire for more of that and um, I on my last night in Papua New Guinea I was in the chapel crying like God I don't want to go back to Australia and not because I don't love my life there God but because I love it too much you know kind of like I'm too attached Lord and I I want to I want to serve you I want to serve your people and I want to live this sort of life of omission this life of poverty and simplicity that I've encountered here and these sisters the way they love so radically and yeah. Anyway, I was just a bit nervous about going back and, and kind of maybe just going back to life as it was before. Mm. Yeah. But um, anyway, Sister Melissa Dwyer, who is um, the provincial of the Kenoshan, she was one, the sister who led us to Papua New Guinea. And she was like, she's a good friend of mine. And we, we just, yeah, she's been a mentor and um, mm-hmm. a really beautiful spiritual support in my life. And she was joking with me while I was there, you know, like, if you ever want to go to Malawi, you just let me know because she had served uh, in Malawi for eight years. Oh, wow. Um, and where exactly yeah. is that? Can you explain to the listeners? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, it's so funny because I literally did not know about Malawi until she told <laughs> me about it. But uh, it's a small country. Mm-hmm. It's above South Africa. It borders um, Mozambique and Zambia yeah. and Tanzania is above above it. Okay. So it's sort of like southern eastern Africa. Okay. Um, and so that's yeah. what she was proposing. 
Well, she was sort of just joking, you know, about like longer term. <laughs> if you ever want to go, you just you just let me know. Kind of. I think maybe she and you know you have those people in your life who yes. have wisdom and the gift of the spirit to maybe see in you what you can't quite see yet. Mm-hmm. But I think she saw in me maybe this desire, yes, to to do more of what I was experiencing in Papua New Guinea. So. I got home to Australia, couldn't let it go, like could not move past that idea. So I asked her to meet up for coffee and I just basically sat her down and was just like, so like, were you serious about (laughs) about the Malawi thing? Um, She was like, yeah, like, of course, if if that's actually something that you, you know, it has to be what the Lord wants. It can't just be can't just be what you want to do you know you have to pray about it kind of thing and I was like oh sure yeah. but she literally called one of the sisters in Malawi right then while we we're having coffee oh, and like, no way. this young woman who's interesting <laughs> is it actually possible because she wanted me to see like yes we will make this happen it could work if, yes yeah yeah and um since that like, from that day literally God just threw open the door and it was just it was really clear that it was an open invitation and there was no pressure there was no urgency even you know it was just this invitation of like this could actually be a thing that you could do if you take it seriously if you actually take it to the Lord and so that's what I did and um but then I ended up in January on a plane to Malawi so so what was the time frame between that conversation with the sister Um, and then jumping on the plane yeah, well, I think we were chatting probably August. Wow, so pretty quickly. Yeah, yeah. yeah and it was great. sort of around a time because I was with, with NET, you know, if you could work for NET, you commit to a year, yes. you know, year by year kind of thing. So it was coming to time to really discern, like, am I going to stay with NET Ministries for another year? And so that was like, it was all these different things I had to, to figure out, I guess, or discern like, mm-hmm. and if I don't, if I don't go to Malawi and I don't work for NET, what will I do? So I was in the middle of like applying for uni and different things as well, just to like open all the, open all the options up. <laughs> um, yes. Yeah. Yeah. But it was really wow. clear, like those doors were just opening for Malawi and yeah, so that's kind of how it happened. Fantastic. So when you got there, was it what you expected? Were you surprised, shocked, excited? <laughs> what did you feel? Um, yeah, I felt a lot of joy an incredible joy getting off that plane of like, whoa, I'm in Africa. (laughs) I'd always dreamed of going to Africa Mm -hmm. and I just couldn't believe it. I was like, whoa, I'm actually here, God, you know? And, um, yeah, I think I was a bit overwhelmed of like, I think what was overwhelming to me was that I knew I would be there not just for a week, not just for two weeks. Like I was committing to, Yes. I mean, at that point I was committing to six months. Okay. Um, and I was, I mean, like, obviously there were, you know, if, if I had, if I was really struggling, I could have left earlier or whatever, but I, I was trying to commit to like, at least Lord, I'll give you six months here yeah. kind of thing. And um, so I think that's what I found a bit overwhelming. I was like, I'm very, very far from home. Yes. <laughs> um, this is a very different culture. Mm. And and I'm here, like this is home. And I think that was, I had to try and let that sink in at the start of like, yeah. Danielle, like this is your home now. Yeah. And um, to try and live, to live that, like I'm living to give my life here and to be here, yes. to love these people. And I was, it was different in the sense, like I think, I had no idea what I would like where I was going to be like what my living conditions 
we're really going to be like, like I was really stepping into completely had no idea. Yeah. So I was like, oh, the convent's like, you know, somewhat, I don't know what I was really imagining, but I was like, oh, this is like, it's all right. You know, it's pretty like normal kind of house living situation. Um, and so you were pleasantly surprised by that. Yeah. But then also in the same, on the other hand, you know, driving through Malawi and yeah. I just realised like there is really like not much here in terms of infrastructure or, you know, you know, you just see the poverty is, is everywhere. And, and it's like just the reality of life. It's not, it doesn't shock them at all. There's no place where you would say like is way more poor than another place. It's just sort of a national, (laughs) it's like how it is there, you know. But it is very confronting. Like I I know with my husband's Jonathan, he speaks and we travel, well, we did (laughs) pre-COVID overseas speaking. And you're right, like the poverty is so confronting. Like I found in America, Hawaii, like just it's so confronting. And for my children too, because we have it so good here yeah. in Australia, like yeah, we have infrastructure yeah. to support people, and yes, there is homelessness, but I have not seen it on the scale that I saw it overseas, and yeah. it really does. It's it's really deeply impacted my children, just to appreciate mm. what we have here, and Absolutely. It, it really blew me away. And I know many years ago now, actually many years, Jonathan and I've been married almost twenty years, so it was wow, nineteen so years ago. <laughs> We moved to far north Queensland to live and work in a boys' boarding school and they wanted some people to take their four year 10 students over to Bougainville in Papua New Guinea for an an immersion experience. And so we went over there for a month. So we took these four year 10 boys to a school in Mabiri that, so in Mabiri and Bougainville, they'd been through the Civil War. So everything was obliterated. So a lot of these young men were coming back to high school, but they were 23 years of age and they'd seen their mothers and their sisters murdered and raped and everything. So it was a, such a different experience oh of school. But yes. as you're talking, I'm just, all these memories are coming back to me. Sure. No, it's, it never leaves you, right? No. Like those experiences, they deeply impact yes. you and, and form and shape who you are. Yeah. So I'm really interested to hear because I know how my experience impacted me and it was profound, but mm. your experience living there for nine months, I mean, what do you take away? Like how have you been impacted? What was the most profound experience, I guess, or impact that that experience has had on you? Yeah, I many, many things. Um, yes. Well, I just, I, I, long time. Sure. And I'll try to keep it like. Oh, oh no, please. Um, it's fantastic. But, I mean, how can you narrow it down to one, of course? Yeah. But, yeah. yeah. I think it's also like realising that it will take a lot of time to unpack. Yes, absolutely. That. But I think what really impacted me the most and how I fell so deeply in love with Malawi was just the goodness of the people. Mm. Malawi is a very peaceful nation. People really, they value peace. Like if you talk to anybody in Malawi, they'll tell you that that's what is important to them as a nation. Yes. This idea that we don't have civil war, we don't have war with other countries. Like we really, they really strive for democracy. Like the fought... (laughs) Uh, it was a bit of a politically term, like it was a bit political turmoil when I arrived, but the country really fought for that, for like for democracy and for yes. justice. And they're just these people who 
will give you anything Mm. Um, and they just give of themselves and they love you like they just Mm. it's so crazy to me that I was to many people a complete stranger Stranger. I mean at first when I was a complete stranger to everybody but even when I started to build this community and, and make friends and stuff but it was like they just decided from like day one, yep, you're one of us and yes. you're welcome here. And we, and that's how they treat everybody. You know, mm. they just love with their whole hearts and in a very, very generous way. And one Sunday I went to an outstation. So it's like a church, like a very rural um, parish community, yes. part of the parish that I was connected to, but it was a church far out. And I went with one of the priests and, uh, they didn't know I was coming to like have mass with them, but they they like make this big deal about welcoming you. You know, they sing and they clap for you, and they're like so excited, and they yes. make like the speech to welcome you. And then they went to like this hut where they had kind of like a convenience a convenience store. I guess okay. is like it's like a Malawian version of a convenience store, and yeah. um, they bought like a soft drink and biscuits for us mm. as like a gift because they just cannot let you leave without. Sh- showing you how much they appreciate you. yes yeah appreciate you being there and it's like these people have have nothing like they mm-hmm. they mm-hmm. live off of so little yeah. but that doesn't yeah. stop them from cooking for you or from um you know showering you in gifts or yeah. they have going such the a plane. spirit of hospitality don't they yeah yeah. I, I think that was one thing that impacted me in Papua New Guinea and Bougainville was that there was one of our students who came from such a wealthy home and he had everything and he really mm. struggled. And mm. it was interesting that like, when you compared him with some of these boys going back or men going back to school, like they had nothing but really they had everything. Like what you're yeah. saying, I think when we, we lack materially, we learn that we actually do have so much to give, don't we? I love yeah. that story. Yeah. yeah, it's beautiful. And they're spiritually so rich, like mm-hmm. in faith. And I think they believe in, in miracles. They believe in the providence of God and the wonders of God yes. and they see it. And I experienced that while I was there just so many times where God would just like, they would be in need of something financially and God would provide, God would make a way, you know, God blessed with with donations that we needed for the hospital right on time or, you know, a family that can't afford to pay school fees and then somebody would give me a donation for the exact amount that they needed. And I was like, this is insane, but it's because these people have faith and they trust in God like nobody else. Because what what else do they have to lean on? You know, they can't lean on their own stability or security. They trust in a God that provides and that blew me away. I'm like, mm. whoa, the richness of their faith. Yeah. Yeah. That's fantastic. And so just tell me, like, I guess when you were there, I guess you would have formed special connections with people, but who were mm. the people, I guess, that impacted you the most? And who did you sort of develop those friendships with? Yeah. Um, great question. <laughs> so many beautiful friends, but on my first day at the hospital, um, so I was volunteering in a hospital and okay. um, the first day I was there, the sisters kind of connected me up with another young woman who um, was just a little bit younger than me. She's married and her name is Rita. And she like literally just grabbed my hand and was like, you're coming with me. And we went to the dispensary yeah. and she just led me through, like she just taught me like how to um, dispense, like, well, I didn't do heaps of 
dispensing, but a little bit of dispensing and also like recording different things to the government and packing the medicine, ordering the medicine, all these things that kind of became my life there. And she just was so patient with me and she taught me so many things. And um, she really made a space for me in her heart and she just became one of my best friends. Like, yeah, just this this uh, friend who like would notice if if I was somehow like off that day, like if I was homesick or if I wasn't feeling well, she would always be the first person to be like, there's something wrong today, friend, what's going mm-hmm. on? And it was like, she's just so empathetic so loving and so attentive to me and it was like this gift of like a friendship that was kind of unexpected but god knew I needed her just to take me by the hand literally day one day by the hand and and be be there as like an emotional support and somebody I could just go have fun with like we went on adventures go to the lake go for a walk go to town go shopping like we just had um had lots of fun together uh, so that was a real blessed friendship. But another one was I, a woman from the parish who loved to walk up this hill. Mm-hmm. And I saw the hill and I was like, oh, I want to know how I can I, how I can exercise a little bit here. Like probably can't just go for a run yeah. on the road. Like yes. it would be a little bit shocking. People <laughs> probably see this young white woman like running on the road. Like what's going on here? Um, was it I dangerous then? No, not, not really. Not so much. But okay. Sort of like you've got to be a bit culturally aware of what's yeah, sure. normal or what's yes. kind of accepted. And I mean, it would have been okay, but yes, would have probably drawn a bit of attention I didn't necessarily want. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but this 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 friend of mine, Florence was her name. She loved to walk up this hill and pray the rosary. Like, and we started to do that pretty much every day where we would pray the rosary by ourselves, like in our own language on the way up. Then on the way down, we'd just have chats about life or about the Lord. And she would pick me up on her motorbike. We're just like riding through these little village, mm. you know, tiny little village laneways. And these little kids are running after you like, whoa, it's oh. like a white person. Oh. Um, <laughs> they're quite fascinated, aren't they? They're like so that. like so excited. And when you say hello, they're like, oh, my gosh, like they're so excited. Yeah, <laughs> it's very beautiful. <laughs> yeah. It's a little bit like, I don't know. The culture shock as well in a way but anyway yeah. so yeah she was just a really beautiful friend who gave me lots of encouragement and just really prayed with me yes that was a spiritual gift of like whoa every day if no matter what the day had brought or what I had faced or what I was you know feeling to go for that walk with her up that hill in nature mm-hmm. to see the lake to be with the Lord was just this this really peaceful experience mm-hmm. and uh, it was like perfect, perfect for both of us. We needed each other, I think. And yes. it's just been a really beautiful friendship. So oh, yeah, there's probably you. two that really stood out to yeah. me. Yeah, that's fantastic. It's such an incredible experience that you have. And I imagine it's going to take many weeks and months to, you know, unpack that in your mind and in prayer as well. And I guess oh. integrate that into your life back in New Zealand. And I guess yeah. we're calling uh, from here because that's a whole new chapter as well absolutely yeah Yeah. but I'm interested Danielle like this is you've had a really amazing experience in terms of mission with NET and then serving overseas and I'm interested in I guess for other women like they having a sense of mission and purpose is really important for all of Mm -hmm. us, whether it's motherhood or whether it's out in political life or whether it's overseas on mission, wherever it is, I think it's so important that we all connect with the mission and purpose that God's uniquely planted within us 
So mm-hmm. I guess for yourself, that mission that God's placed in your heart, what advice would you give to other women? Because you've really stepped out. I, I put an Instagram post the other day of let's push the roof on what's actually possible. Like let's yeah. push the boundaries because like you said, when you went, I think you were saying like you came to Australia, you went to NET and you served there and and your experience of just prayer and, and the Holy Spirit and the anointing just mm. took you to this, it sort of, put you into this whole new stratosphere I guess of yeah no absolutely yeah that's connection a <laughs> yeah and I'm like really interested in how as women I know I've experienced in my life I know a lot of women do where they feel like they've reached the glass ceiling so to speak and I guess God wants to call us higher and wider and bigger into yeah. more of his plans more of his purpose you know and to serve him mm-hmm. so I'm interested coming off the back of your beautiful experience like what wisdom or advice would you have to share with women about pushing out beyond fears and pushing out into the unknown in terms of mission this context of mission yeah yeah I think I think it's so important to cultivate a place of realness with the Lord about that as well because I think when we become we can become comfortable and sometimes it's really hard to notice the yearnings of our hearts because we can cover them up I think by so many different things and even in prayer you know we can I think hide from that because it might scare us and I know for me it does it it is scary to face a restlessness because we don't know what the answer to that is Sometimes, you know, before the answer comes, how do I tap into the desire of my heart for more? Hmm. And I think when we go there with the Lord, we cultivate a place of realness with him in the quiet places, you know, every day seeking him. We ask him, Lord, you know, I want, we start to to say to him, honestly, Lord, I think I want more in my life. What does that look like? And it might not look like much external change but this internal disposition of there is more here in my in my relationship with my children or my husband or there is more here in in my study there's Mm -hmm. more here in my workplace that I can somehow be more radical for you Lord I can witness to you more I can love more selflessly or give of myself more generously and how do we trust the Lord but also maybe that does look like radical shift in our lives and Um, I think it's like just inviting him or saying to him, you know, God, like I will trust you to lead me to that place. Mm. And he will, like he will, he wants to invade our lives with more, with the kingdom of heaven, you know, like he wants us to be living in that and to invite other people into that kingdom. And I think it's just like asking him, every day how today lord can i live for you more radically Mm. and he might be challenging us you know like i think even like deleting social media if we if we need a break or like getting off netflix these things are actually quite radical in themselves like these Mm -hmm. little actions we can do to uh to change to shift our lives to be closer to to Mm. the life of, of the you know the life the lord really desires for us which is more union with him and and more like union with our brothers and sisters, like working closer to them. And maybe that means stepping out and like, you know, small acts of like, okay, I'm going to go to the soup kitchen. I don't know anybody. And I don't know, I've never really been in touch with poverty before in my life, but 
I want to do something different and just taking these like taking chances and if it's you know if we fail we fail but we tried and I I want to live a life of like I got out there and I tried and if I failed if I failed it's like okay god I I did my best and You'll give me, you'll give us more opportunities, you know. Absolutely. And I don't know if we can ever really fail, right? Like I think it's just yeah. a refining of the vision or refining of the refining of the mission. Like it's Yeah, no, um, totally. I think that and I think your advice there is spot on. Like we just have to try. I think for so many women, they, they it's almost safer to stay where they are than to step yeah. out into something that actually could be better for them because of yeah. fear. And I think fear is such a stronghold in the lives of women, yeah. in humans in general, but particularly women about looking silly or not being enough or being too much or not having the right yeah. skills, money yeah. or the time or whatever it is. But I think Jonathan, my husband, has this saying, he's like, there's magic on the other side of fear. And mm. I know, and I'm sure you know this to be true, that when you push through that fear, and, and often when we get close to pushing through fear, there's a lot of resistance, right? We can yeah, hit it and it discourages us. But if we can push past that, there truly is this magical world of, I guess, living in the fullness of who we are as God intended mm-hmm. us to be and in his will for our life. And that, like you're saying, brings you incredible joy. Yeah, absolutely. And it might... It's always scary to let go of what we're used to or what we have known, but we can't embrace, you know, we can't embrace anything else if we don't do that. And so it's like in this process of letting go of saying, I I want to try something else or I, Lord, I feel this, this stirring in my heart for mission in this capacity, we have to let go. We have to be willing to be moved by the Holy Spirit into new territory, into new grounds and, just trusting like, God, you will never lead me somewhere you're not going. Mm. You'll never lead me somewhere you you're, you haven't already been, you haven't already prepared the grounds for me. And mm. that's so what I experienced in Malawi was just like when I got there, I was just like the Lord has, has, has ordained this, has like, I don't know, just prepared me in a way I didn't know he had been preparing me, mm. prepared this place like for this mission and um He's always he's always with us wherever we wherever we have the courage to step out. He's already prepared it, and he's prepared us. I Amen. think in ways we we don't know. <laughs> yes, absolutely, and he's already placed within us everything we need to do. Mm. What he wants us to do, and like you were saying, you know, he planted seeds in your heart many years ago. I guess your parents being missionaries to yeah. I guess to do this and a desire to mm-hmm. do it. Oh, it's just, it's so wonderful to talk to you. I know that time is running out because you have to go to your highlight of your day shortly and that's your health check. Yeah. It's like sure, the only thing you have to do. Sure, the only people I get to see all day. So you know what? It's actually a blessing in itself. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. Oh, Danielle, thank you so much. I'm going to really be praying for you as you leave quarantine that the Lord will continue to lead you because he's clearly got, you know, a great mission over over you and look forward to seeing where that takes you yeah thank you so much and i'll absolutely praying for you and for this wild year of covid and for all the women listening to this as well yeah the lord will just continue to lead us in his mission well i hope you enjoyed that conversation with danielle i just loved hearing about how god is using her and bringing to life that unique mission that he has placed within her heart i wonder if you know what your mission is because the truth and the reality is God has placed within every single one of us a unique mission, plan, 
and purpose. If you'd like some help and support in exploring your mission and purpose, why not head on over to the Genius Project website, www.geniusproject.co. This week, we've launched our whole suite of online courses and members area. You know, we were never meant to do this journey of life alone. And we're certainly not able to work out what our mission is and our unique gifts and talents in isolation. So why not join the Genius Project Inner Members Circle? You can check out all the details on the website and we hope to see you there. Until next week, have a beautiful week and God bless you.